0: right so um carl jaw i thought we might move on to the second thing i wanted to talk to you about very uh in the spirit of kung fu yoga um yes because so i wanted to talk to you about Kashmir and xinjiang and i wanted to put those two together because i don't think they've they're often discussed together um and i Partly I want to talk about it because so many people in India and uh, and in the West seem to really care about Xinjiang and they don't seem to care about Kashmir. So I thought we what I'd like to do is go over a few metrics and just compare because, you know, you your people ask me about Xinjiang these days because there's been an uptick in crappy Xinjiang stories. I've noticed, and I always refer them to episode 55 of Silk and Steel, which is like your three hour I'm like, if you have three hours to listen to Carl yeah. Carl will address every single thing that you've ever heard about Xinjiang. but, uh, if you haven't, I thought, I, I really wanted to bring Kashmir into this partly, just because just I, I want people to think about Kashmir more it's not so much that I want to expose the hypocrisy of um, the way that People talk about Xinjiang, although, of course, that's a side effect. It's just like the, you know, the the complete silence that um, has been met with when, Demo- you know, that that India is met with when democratic rule of law India is doing this stuff to Kashmir and, you know, totalitarian China is getting lots of you know lots of coverage of its uh what it's doing in Xinjiang so i thought we might take some time to compare these yeah so first of all why have you detected an uptick in crappy stories about Xinjiang lately and if so why do you think that's oh yeah
1: oh yeah i think the us media took a break during the COVID-19 crisis to (laughs) focus on attacking China over COVID but now that that story, it's harder to sustain that narrative when US became like the COVID nineteen capital. So now now it's yeah. back to Xinjiang story again.
0: Mehdi Hassan from The Intercept just loves the Xinjiang story. He's just he's absolutely obsessed on on the Xinjiang file.
1: Yeah, Mehdi Hassan, you know he he's, he is there. There's some good things he says. Um, like he's really good when. Um, on topics where it doesn't affect his employer like the Qatari <laughs> right, government <laughs> right right you know? like, so
0: or piero midjar now right he's an intercept yeah, guy now so
1: he does great job like for example exposing saudi atrocities and saudi support for uh, fundamental islamist in uh, in Syria and, and 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 Saudi war on Yemen that that's because Saudi just happened to be like an enemy of Qatar right now yeah. you know and, yeah they're <laughs> but you will never find him talking shit about Qatar you know even though Qatar is just as complicit in a lot of the, the Yeah the including
0: Biden. Yemen I mean they started they were involved at the beginning at yeah of Yemen and Syria
1: Yeah yep.
0: So All right, let's go. Uh, Okay, so I don't know if you saw that. I sent you this. uh, Canadian went to China to debunk reports of anti-Muslim repression, but was shocked by treatment of Uyghurs. This is from last year, but somebody sent it to me, so I thought I would send it to you. Did you see that one?
1: Yeah,
0: I saw that one. Had you seen that last year? Yes. <laughs> I don't know my impression was it was kind of a clueless guy kind of a clueless guy who expected some, like his his all his quotes are like I expected something else but uh what I saw was not what I expected but I don't know what's your, what was your what was your take on it
1: Yeah I mean so he he actually has a little bit credibility with, especially when he framed uh his narrative that way right right he said mm-hmm. he, Went to Xinjiang expecting to debunk the Western Mm -hmm. narrative, and 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 the fact that he was actually uh,
0: a guided tour. tour. Yeah, he he
1: was he was on the tour. Um, He saw he went inside the camps and and talked to the 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 detainees and all that. Um, But I thought what was interesting is that. How easy it is to get access, because apparently he just wrote uh, some letter to the Chinese embassy in uh, Albania. And and then then he was part of the part of the uh, journalist uh, journalist team that, that were granted access. You know, I, I that angle is not really been, you know emphasize on but i i that's what kind of stood out to me i was like oh wow all he did was just writing a letter to chinese (laughs) let him go let him go in yeah on the tour but anyway
0: what i liked about your episode 55 was it you know it was titled like there are the real issues because there are real issues right so we'll 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 do that we'll talk about the real issues so just just like let's situate people first so in terms of population Kashmir is like about half the size, it seems, of Xinjiang. Like about seven million Muslims, I gather, and about ten or 12, eleven or twelve million total in the in the whole province. Now, I guess, union territory, formerly a state, an autonomous state. Um, and Xinjiang, I guess, is thirteen million out of twenty-two. Thirteen million Muslims, a population of twenty-two million.
1: Yeah, it's about it's about right.
0: Okay. So let me start with the Internet <laughs> and communication, because I actually went to Kashmir in 2013. I was in India for like half a year or well, four months um, in 2013, and I a, I desperately wanted to go to Kashmir. So I, when I landed, I started texting people like my friends to tell them that I arrived and, and uh, that I was fine and whatever. And then when I got when I met my host, when I got to the houseboat I was staying on, the host was like, oh, yeah, they don't let us text. There hasn't been text messaging here since 2010. I was like, oh, <laughs> OK, um, that's strange. I didn't know you could just not let a group of people text. Um, they have had. So in terms of Internet bans, um, it's the longest running ban except for Myanmar. Um, it's it's. They've had had no 4G internet since August 5th, 2019. Um, There's no black list of internet websites. There's actually a white list of websites. There's only certain websites they're allowed on, and none of them are social uh, sites that allow you to communicate. There have been 55 complete blockades, meaning no 2G or 4G in the last six months. and there's like stories heartbreaking stories there's one from scroll.in that talks about a student who basically like is trying to study he goes on the internet and tries to automatically download stuff before he goes to bed so that he can get them in the morning and i'm not talking about like a 100 meg podcast i'm talking about like a you know half a meg document so that's the situation uh, that Communications. That's the situation of Kashmiris in terms of their ability to communicate with one another and with the outside world. Xinjiang. Okay,
1: so um, there was a period of internet blockage. This occurred in 2009, in the immediate aftermath of the urumqi riot. Um, so, so internet was cut off for one entire year, uh, and just like. The yes. the black white side situation that you mentioned, there were okay. you know people can get online, but they're basically website internal in Xinjiang. It's like Xinjiang has had its own gray firewall for that one year. They mm. they can only go on you know, website inside Xinjiang. They couldn't uh, you know go on website outside China, much less outside the world. And I actually talked to a person who lived in Xinjiang. Around that time, he said uh, a lot of business people what they had to do is they just they take the train to go to the next province over to use Internet <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Because because they couldn't couldn't get on the Internet um, that one reason for that Well rationale for that was that you know being the Wurumqi riot in 2009. They were afraid that all the all that information coming out of the riots is going to inflame uh, ethnic tensions that that will cause you know reprisals and and then just uh, uh, basically a, a, a ethnic war um, and and but it, it, the, I was surprised that that uh, the internet blockage lasted as long as it did. It lasted a whole year, uh, but after that, after you know 2000, after July 2010, that was restored. So so people in Xinjiang can not get on the internet. Um, there's no. Uh, special there's no there I mean like not no different from people in the rest part of China and like of course they have still have the great firewall to deal with but but like today they can they can browse the internet Um, they do have um, certain requirements though because uh, after 2009 um, so what happened was that you know the the government start cracking down um, on some of the uh, things that were been propagating in in social media. So so uh, any apps, any uh, content they would deem uh, spreading uh, extremism will be banned. So so that they now actually have a, have an app. <laughs> they they mm. make you they they scan your phone basically. Um, okay. uh, they like are checkpoints right in Xinjiang. The security is still very tight. There's a lot of checkpoints. Um, so okay. at the checkpoint, sometimes they will require you to scan your phone. They run, run your phone through like a, a scanning app, and they uh, will detect any kind of you know what they consider contraband material. Contraband okay. Content. So so so
0: yeah. yeah. So let's talk about freedom of movement, because you were talking about checkpoints Um, in Kashmir. uh, In Kashmir, there's curfew. There's pretty much constant curfew. Um, And there's something called Section 144 of the the Code of Criminal Procedure, which has been imposed uh, pretty much, again, constantly um, in urgent cases of security threat or riot bars, the assembly of five or more people in the area (laughs) issued by the district uh, magistrate no public meetings no rallies um and everything is basically closed now they've opened some uh things and in some cases people have kind of defied that order to open and and they said you know we're gonna go on strike actually and we're gonna stay uh, closed as a way of protesting that but for the most part it is uh what they were calling a lockdown before the before the covid19 lockdown ah. and uh and what's yeah so so yes. uh, curfew, k- <laughs> yeah curfew <laughs> so sh- xinjiang over to you xinjiang
1: yes so xinjiang curfew happened right after 2009 uh Wingshi riot july 5th 2009 so it's the curfew lasted um for about several months, I mean, at least I think in parts of Xinjiang, probably lasted uh, as long as six months. But after that, you know, by 2010, there's no more, there's no more curfews. Uh, but there are checkpoints, so you know, Definitely. there there are a lot more checkpoints. Uh, you know, going uh, like bus stations. Uh, 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 train station security is is a lot tighter now like like now to go to train station you have to go through like uh like uh, like like tsa right like tsa in, yeah. in us that and, was you put. know
0: in in delhi you have that at the mall like um if you go oh, to the really? mall yeah like uh, to go to the mall in delhi it's uh there's like you put your stuff through scan. it's not like it's not they're not rigorous about it, but in principle, you have to take your stuff off. You have to take all your bags off. You have to go through a scanner. You have to go through a metal oh, wow. detector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay,
2: yeah,
0: that. <laughs> that was yeah, in 2013. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's
1: basically Xinjiang right now. Like, like to go to the mall, you gotta go through the metal detector. You gotta go through the the scanner. But just not, like other,
0: not other, not uh, other, not other cities in China.
1: Uh, no, no, not. I mean, yeah, no, no, not. It's like Xinjiang security is uh, particularly tight. Other like across the border, outside the, 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 the Xinjiang, it's not like that.
0: So in terms of military and police personnel, Kashmir has nobody knows for sure, but like probably 250,000 soldiers inside the valley and then another half a million on the border with Pakistan. And before the lockdown was imposed last year on August 5th, they, um, so we're coming up on a year of lockdown there. Um, it's, uh, it's, they added 10, 70,000 or something soldiers. So that's the, that's the military footprint inside the territory. What's it like in Xinjiang?
1: Uh, so Xinjiang is different because, uh, China didn't deploy, uh, PLA. It, it I mean, I think the only time PLA might possibly be deployed was um, right around uh, the Ruan riot. That that was the only time military was deployed. Um, but after that, it's mostly handled through police. Through the uh, any serious incident will be handled by the the uh, armed police. And but on the local level, um, so they have they hire a lot of what they call like police assistant so so they recruit. um uh, i don't know you know what what the component of the indian army is in in kashmir but in xinjiang the police force is mostly local right so so
0: no in kashmir it's not in kashmir they're always from another part of india
1: ah okay so but in xinjiang the there's heavy police presence but they uh the the police is mostly local so if you go if you go into like
0: um are they muslim or are they like, ah,
1: yes. So so if you go to um, northern Xinjiang, right, where the Han are majority, most of the police will be Han. But if you go to southern Xinjiang, where Uyghurs are majority, most of the police are will be Uyghur. So okay. so it's 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 yeah, local, it's
0: totally different, totally different yeah. from Kashmir. That's yeah. not and
1: and all... and what they do is they hire a lot of uh, people as like kind of the they call the assistant police or the police helper. They they're not mm-hmm. like deputies formally, they're, yeah yeah they're not like uh, formally police, but they're still getting paid um and and they their job is but basically to man these checkpoints because there, there are mm-hmm. a lot of checkpoints in xinjiang and they um yeah i mean it's also a. Are they, aren't
0: of, they like sitting ducks don't do militants attack them the, at the checkpoints uh
1: so so since 2014 um actually no since since 2017 there hasn't been any attacks in xinjiang coming out of xinjiang there were a lot of oh. attacks you know back in 2014 2015 but just since uh, since they really uh, cranked up the security in the last 3 years there hasn't been any attacks
0: okay so now violence by the occupying forces in the case of kashmir i'm calling them occupying forces um In 2020, so far, so we're halfway through the year, there have been 229 killings uh, in Kashmir, 32 of them civilians, 143 are called militants, but we can talk more about what a militant is because a lot of these are fake, uh, and 54 armed forces, according to the Jammu Kashmir uh, Civil Society Organization. So... Um, There are these cordon and search operations and also cordon and destroy operations where they go in, surround an area and kill basically everybody in there. Militants, they call them. There have been 57 of those in the year so far. And for decades, at least like since 1990, they have this kind of reputation of encounter killings, which is to say, like, the police set something up, kill the person and say they killed a militant. And a lot of those are faked. Um, 2019. So, again, like the lockdown started in August of 2019. There were 366 killings, 80 civilians, 159 so-called militants, 129 armed forces. Eight of the civilians killed their children. Lots of detained children, tortured children, um, pellet shotguns are used, tear gas. Four people died from pellet injuries, four from tear gas and pepper spray inhalation. In 2019, there were 195 cordon and search or cordon and destroy operations, killing uh, 159 so-called militants in 87 encounters. And one example of what a cordon and search looks like... Um, There were 12 men detained, stripped naked, lined up on the main road, and electrocuted in their genitals, made to lie down on top of each other in a pile. This was on September 1st of 2019. Um, Total of 5,000 people detained. uh, 670 petitions were filed uh, demanding that the authorities produce these detainees uh, in 2019. Over to Xinjiang.
1: Yeah, so Xinjiang, the last uh, biggest uh, incident happened back in 2015. So it's a while ago. Like I said, there hasn't been uh, any incidents for the last three years, since 2017. Um, the last uh, military type of operation happened was 2015. There was a, um, so a group of... Uh, separatists they they attacked a, a, mo- a local mine uh, in in uh, in like a remote part of Xinjiang um, and and they they basically killed all the uh, 50 miners who were working there because they're, they're Han Chinese and then um, and then they they ambushed, they actually am- managed to ambush the police who arrived um and and then they escaped the mountain, so there was a chase. So, so that was one case. I think uh, PLA might be involved, but it could also just be the, the armed police. So that that in 2015 November is when they tracked them down, um, and and the 26 uh, 20 26 people involved were run, uh, were, were, were uh, So let me see, see the records. Is one person. One person, the capture one person, but the, the 20, 28 people um, that were involved were, were killed in the in the firefight.
0: Right, so, so that's, that's like a that would be in, in in Kashmir that would be like a big, a pretty big encounter, but yeah, um, yeah not not quite what they would kill in a year. Oh, yeah, one fifth of what they'd kill in a year. Uh, so that was back in twenty fifteen, huh? Yeah, 2015. All right, so oh, huh, here maybe India will do better on this one. Freedom of press. Okay, so ah, okay. In recent in recent months, journalists, uh, Kashmiri journal. Obviously, the Kashmiri journalists can't report over the internet so all the newspapers if you go if you go and look up like news Kashmir today or whatever the newspapers that are based there they're all frozen on august 5th. they're all like published the august fourth edition you know being like uh Man, something's boy. gonna happen <laughs> so yeah so um but so journalists that have tried to report for other outlets, uh, they're, they're getting, they're getting like law too. So in other words, they're being made to report on like charges, uh, of whatever, um, you know, various kinds of charges by the police of, uh, that they're trying to slap on these journalists to deter them. Um, and there's an explicit theory here. Like the, the, the minister, uh, I guess in charge of this, he said, you know, if you have a way of stopping the militants from communicating while letting everyone else communicate, I'd love to know it. So it's very explicitly like against free freedom of expression. And there have been a few del like there was one early on there was one delegation by like some lefty um important leftists like Jean Dries and Kavita Krishnan uh, you know journalists like Siddharth Vaidarajan in, in for the wire, but for the most part, it's locked down and very difficult to get information out. So how about Xinjiang? I have a question.
1: <laughs> okay, yes, I have a question. please. What about for, what about foreign journalists? What about their um
0: their, yeah their... there okay. there's some you, you'll you can see some uh stuff like uh usually but w- what you'll usually see is like the New York Times will do a report where they'll have uh, they'll have people from there, or you know, it'll be files with or whatever. But they, I think, I think you can get in. It's do just. Have, very do they have hard.
1: access? Can foreign journalists go to Kashmir and report from the ground?
0: In principle, you can. There's a process by which you can get all the permissions that you need to do that. Yes, but um, I don't. I'm not. I don't think it's happened all that much i honestly look i i have to tell you i look mostly at the indian press so i don't actually know too much about what is being reported or not i don't think there's very much but
1: um well, we, we don't we we both monitor western press pretty closely i think and i i don't think we see much reporting um yeah. and and i mean in u.s it's almost non-existent uh yeah. in I mean, you BBC did some reporting, I think because uh, yes. as a function of uh, UK has a large uh, South yes. Asian diaspora. So they, they report mm-hmm. on the issue like that. But in the US, I, it's, you'll be hard pressed to find, find any. Um, so I, I reason I asked about foreign journalists is because, you know, China, of course, all the official media is controlled by the state, right, the state media. Right. So um, in terms of situation of uh, foreign journalists, I mean, foreign journalists can still go to Xinjiang. Um, uh, Like in fact, if you, Xinjiang itself is not um, restricted. So you, if you have a visa to China, you can visit Xinjiang. So even as a tourist, if you have a visa to China, you can. There's no restriction. Like there's restriction on Tibet. People who, mm. uh, if you are visiting, want to visit Tibet, China, require you to be part of a, like a, a tour group. Uh, uh, but there, there are ways around it. You know, people sign up for the tour group to put their name on it, but then they, you know, still find their own way to 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 Tibet. Or the, once they get to Lhasa, they just split and, <laughs> and get
2: yeah,
1: up yeah, their yeah. Way. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there are way but but officially you are still required to have a permit. But Xinjiang is different. You, you don't need a permit if you have a valid Chinese visa, you can go. Um. So so that's why there are a lot of foreign journalists that actually have been reporting from Xinjiang. You know, we get reports from uh, Associated Press, from um, Al Jazeera, from from um, New York Times. Uh, before New York Times themselves were got kicked out of China, uh, but that that's a different issue. But um. But. There are restrictions in terms of the, uh, you know, this is China, so a lot of foreign journals did report. They have been followed while they're trying to do reporting in Xinjiang. You know, sometimes they are in sensitive areas are prevented f- by the by the police from um, from, uh, from 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 doing uh, in-depth investigative research. Uh, I mean, there there is those reports. or Reports are being followed mostly they are being followed by the police, but they can still go to Xinjiang and report. In fact, I, I think um, I, I, I talked to a guy who has been to Xinjiang, but not as a journalist. He, he went as a tourist, and his advice I think was pretty good. He said, "If you want to go go to report in Xinjiang, don't go as a journalist." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't because like once you uh you know you go as a journalist, you will be followed. But if you're just going as a tourist, you actually can observe. Uh, you know, things on the ground. Yeah, like, that's
0: that's the same in India. You can't like getting a getting a press credential is is a real rigmarole. In fact, like yeah, getting your getting getting a phone. It used to be easy, but it's can you just get a phone in China? Like if you uh, yeah. if you land in China, can you get a phone yeah. and a number and a sim card and stuff?
1: Yeah, you just go you to can't any, do that. Uh, kiosk yeah. and, and <laughs> like I literally went to China. Uh, the you know on the next day, me and my dad just walked down. On the hotel and go on the street and bought a phone from kiosk.
0: Yeah, a, you can't do that part. anymore. You could you could do that in um you could do that in 2008 when I was in India, but after two, in 2013 it was really hard. Like I had to you reg- had to give them my passport and all kinds of oh, stuff. Wow. And then uh, and then after that, I heard a friend went in 2015 and couldn't do it at all. You can't do it anymore. Wow.
2: So,
0: yeah, yeah. India, yeah, like actually- yeah, it's a it's a democracy where they really uh control communication a lot wow. <laughs> um, oh so i was just looking uh, apropos you were asking about foreign press i was just taking a look at the washington post there's a story from a freelance journalist based in kashmir uh of april 30th 2020 Tariq mir um and then there's uh rana ayub who i think is based in india it looks to me it doesn't look like she's in kashmir it looks like and i think that's what a lot of the um the american press does is they'll or the british too they'll use local indians to report it seems to be the yeah. model okay so yeah no this seemed comp <laughs> seems comparable there <laughs> not great yeah not a great situation for either one okay uh here's another thing that happens i think this has happened to uh Uyghurs outside of uh outside of xinjiang but um kashmiri's there, there are reports on 43 reports of attacks against Kashmiris in 2019. I haven't seen any figures for 2020, but um, in particular, like a lot, there's a lot of Kashmiri students at a uh, university in Delhi called Jamia Millia Islamia, which is like this amazing place. Um, I actually worked there during my sabbatical. I taught there, uh, it, there's a, this is a, the only university in the world, I think, um, outside of you know maybe cuba itself there's a there's a castro cafe there's an edward Said hall and there's a chomsky hall uh residence <laughs> at jamia <laughs> these are the names of the buildings wow
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> So anyway, the idea was founded, I think, in the 30s as like, you know, this is you can this is an Indian institution and it's a Muslim institution. Like being Indian and Muslim are compatible. It's that like secular vision of what India is. Right. So it's founded by this Maulana Azad. Um, Anyway. Kashmiris are a big group of students. Yeah,
2: Yeah, exactly. Modi is Modi is in the
0: presence. uh, Modi is in the process of just burning that whole thing down to the ground forever, Uh, or at least he's gonna do his best we'll see what happens but um Kashmiris are a significant group at jamia and they jamia was like attacked assaulted by police and fascists um earlier just b- kind of before the lockdown like february march so lots of attacks on Kashmiris outside is that a thing that happens in um in china outside of xinjiang to uyghurs you were saying there's like police problems yeah. they get into yeah yeah yeah
1: so there was um Back in 2009, there was an incident where the Uyghur workers who were working in a in a Dongguan ba- factory in near, near coastal China, they were attacked by a mob, and and this this in fact this incident directly led to the 2009 Urumqi riot a few months later. So this this Dongguan factory, uh, a group of so so China had this uh, program since early 2000. They're organizing. Uh, Uyghurs from, like, poor areas in southern Xinjiang to go work in a coastal factory. Because, um, you know, at least in 2009, most of the, the, the export sector or most of the, 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 the factories were on, near the Chinese coast, right? So there's a lot more uh, employment opportunities. Um, so what the state did, they decided, OK, well, if there's not much economic prospect in Xinjiang, and maybe we can, uh, you know, if we can out alleviate the the, uh, the the poverty problem, maybe the the, the separatism and the, the the religious extremism problem will go away too. So they have this massive <laughs> state program. It's a very right. Marxist way of thinking, economics. You know. So so they 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 have this program to organize uh, Uyghur young Uyghur workers. To go to Guangdong near the coast, uh, the Guang uh, this is actually Dongguan. It's actually near the near near Hong Kong. And so, so they they will just uh, the Chinese government will give uh, the factory owner some kind of tax incentive for uh, agree to hiring hiring Uyghurs. Uh, but the the, uh, the but there were some problems, some ethnic tensions. So what they did decide to do is, um, you know, they they, they separate dormitory for the Uyghurs and where they can be catered to with, you know, halal meals and stuff like that. Uh, but in in 2009, uh, there was um, there was an incident where where some girl uh, looking for her boyfriend, some Han Chinese girl looking for her boyfriend, she accidentally went to the the Uyghur dormitory and. Um, we don't know exactly what happened, but they, the the the, 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 the she, she, she went in and she screamed and she came out, and so that rumor.
0: That she was assaulted, um, yeah.
1: The rumor spread, that she was assaulted, and the rumor saying the Chinese authority is trying to cover things up because they. They you know, they want the, the incident to, to go away. I actually saw that incident online as it happened. I was in US and and I was on some forum and somebody was posting this. Um and 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 then like a few hours later was a huge mob gathered, you know, they like a okay. vigilante mob, they decided to take justice into their own hands and they went to uh, attack the, the Uyghur workers in the dormitory. And in the in the ensuing bra um, Two Uyghur young men got killed. So oh, this okay. this led to the uh, direct couple months later. This led to the Urumqi riot in in uh, July 2009. Uh, so basically, a uh, uh, um, uh, bunch of, group of Uyghurs uh, organized a protest outside the Urumqi city government to demand the Chinese government to you know bring the, the culprits. Uh, uh in the, the the other riots to to justice um but that after that protest ended the you know some of the protester went into surrounding neighborhood and starting to you know beat up the the, the Han Chinese and it was a the, the the Urumqi riot was a was a kind of watershed moment in Xinjiang everything can can be traced to 2009 and 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 like 200 people died in the in the Reun-chi riots. Mm-hmm. Um and and then so that was the biggest incident of attack on Uyghurs outside of Xinjiang. Uh, this was 2009. But more commonly, the most problem is uh is is hotel stays, home stays. So yes. so after 2014, after a space of terrorist attacks in uh, Chinese. Other Chinese cities like Kunmin, a lot of the local police, they, um, they just don't want any Uyghurs in their jurisdictions because they, they, they don't want to, to, to do something like that. They, they, they don't want to be re- how responsible if something Mm. something happens right so so there is there
0: is is there a lot of like grassroots so like if a chinese person sees someone who's weak or are they gonna like say something or like spit on them or like is that no 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 that that's
1: not a thing That's, 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 that's not a thing. That's, 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 that's not, you will not see that in China. Um, Yeah,
0: you, um, you, honestly, you don't, I, I also don't, you don't really see that. I didn't, I haven't been there in a while, but you don't really see that in India either. That's not really how it works. It's more like something gets whipped up in a, in a incitement by some politician for some specific reason or media figure. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, but, you know, China government is pretty, uh will not allow Usually, especially what happened on 2 2009 they they will not allow something like that happen oh, okay and, and then um but mostly the problem is for Uyghurs who travel to other parts of China to get hotels because after t- uh, 20 around after 2010 2014 period uh anybody with Xinjiang resident permit so that not just limited mm-hmm. to Uyghurs. so if you're a Han Chinese from Xinjiang they see on your um on your uh, ID card that you are from Xinjiang they are required the hotels and the, the landlord are required to register with the police so mm-hmm. what that policy meant in practice is a lot of people if they see that you are from Xinjiang they will just turn you away because they
0: They'll don't just want say to say were home. were full <laughs> yeah, yeah so they what?
1: do yeah, they don't want the trouble to to, to get yeah. involved with the police. So, so they just, say, oh, sorry, we, we can't serve
0: you. So, Actually, has there that been any problem. anything done about that in the past six years? Like,
1: no, that, I mean, no. this this problem has been, you know, even a lot of the Uyghur intellectuals have been talking about this in Chinese press, Chinese media. Uh, mm-hmm. It was hot because, like, um, but this, yeah, not nothing, nothing, no, I nothing really changed. I mean, I I've mm-hmm. seen, but. Uh, you know, if, if it's if it's only any constellation, it's anybody from Xinjiang gets targeted. But the mm. problem with Uyghur is they're they're visible minority. They're you know because they look different. They're they're Central Asian, so so it's a lot easier to single them out to refuse services in hotels. Whereas if you are Han Chinese. Uh, okay, maybe if you have uh, uh, like the the, the 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 resident permit from Xinjiang, but it's like don't ask, don't tell. You know, <laughs> if yeah. you get your friend yeah. to book your if you got right. your friend to book your hotel room for you, nobody will probably be, like ask you mm, for true. your ID or whatever. So, yeah. Well, the
0: bigger the bigger problem in India is again like it's all been kind of frozen because of COVID nineteen. But um, just before this, there was. they're they're trying to change the citizenship amendment act, right. Where they're basically, they're trying to strip Muslims of their citizenship, which of course would apply to Kashmiri Muslims that are outside of India, as well as inside of India. So that's like any Muslim is in, is, is being treated differently and unequally now in India. Um, Kashmiri or not.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. So here's the, here's the juicy stuff because, uh, in terms of like ca- what the population wants, right? Like Kashmiris, I, th- I you know, I, I, you know, I, I normally hesitate to speak on behalf of anybody, but like Kashmiris want their what they call azadi, azadi, like their freedom. Um, they would want either independence, you know, they want basically independence. And they were in the Indian uh, Union; they joined in, uh, you know, 1947 or whatever, based on. Uh, these articles of the constitution 35a and 370 that gave them that autonomous status and protection and with since modi you know unconstitutionally and, and unilaterally decided those don't apply anymore um, and is also trying to turn india into a hindu nation that's like very much driving the kashmiri case you know even more strongly towards an independence uh you know, in, in, in a position of independence. And I gather like the whole conflict in Xinjiang is over independence or separatism, right?
1: Right. So, so you know, there are 11 million Uyghur people, you know, like yeah. there, there, so yeah. there's probably just as many opinions on this issue. Uh, right. there, there, I think oh, the overwhelming majority of the Uyghur, what they want, they just want to be treated uh treated as equal citizens, right, right. And equal citizens that they, um, and, and because, because, I mean, there, there are obviously some Uyghurs who want independence, you know, they want an independent state, uh, but there equally, there's, there are some Uyghurs who are, um, you know, recognized that they're, they're Chinese citizens and, and they're, they're happy to be the citizen of China. Um, so there's a wide ranging of opinions, you know, and everything in between, but I think, I think most of them do want to be treated equally and they want uh, obviously to preserve their their own cultural heritage, right? right. And so that, um, So on that issue, I think right now in Xin Xinjiang is, um, is in, in transitions right right now. and, and mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's a couple of issues. Uh, we can probably talk about this kind of gonna gonna spill over to you know your next topic I see because uh, um, Xin, Xinjiang has been, always been a, a multi-ethnic place like we were is a majority of the population they they they're about like uh, 46 of, percent of the total population but there's um, other ethnicities there's like uh Kazakh, Mongols, Kyrgyz, hmm. Tajik, uh, uh Hui wow. uh, Han Han Chinese. Yeah, there's like uh there's like 20, twenty or thirty some different ethnicity in Xinjiang. Um
0: so was it, Xinjiang part of China before forty nine or like
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I mean Xinjiang was Xinjiang was uh, you know like kind of the peripheral region that was in and out of the Chinese empire in history, but in 16, in uh, 1760, uh, that was the latest uh, uh, conquest by the Qing Dynasty. When the Qing, the Manchus, they, uh, the, the the Manchus, they they were they were in a fight with the Mongols to to control who is uh, kind of the overlord of Central Asia. And and when they defeated the Zhuanggar Mongols, they incorporated Xinjiang into Qing Dynasty territory. And and after that, Xinjiang is part of China. But but what happened is that you know Qin dynasty was ruled as an empire so so under the empire you know the emperor don't really care what you do as long as you pay tribute right acknowledge like right. his emperor so so i mean sort of, like, was, sort of like
0: the department of justice
1: <laughs> yeah 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 uh, so yeah. xinjiang is basically kind of like uh, on the local level you know xinjiang uh, is is the, the the custom and its culture is remained separate and distinct right i mean kind of like kashmir
0: um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, then, that was yeah, that was a big part yeah. of the agreement for why they were allowed, you know, entered Sheikh Abdullah like allowed them to enter in the first place.
1: Yes. Yeah. And then um in in case of Xinjiang there was a uh, um because when the Manchus conquered the uh Xinjiang they uh they bas- they they're uh, they basically Committed genocide against uh, the Mongols in the northern Xinjiang. I mean the, 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 Before that was a domain of the the Zhuanggar Mongols, but uh, according to some of the estimate you know, the 30 there 40 percent uh, of the Zhuangar Mongol population died from a uh, smallpox and then Oof, uh, wow. and then yeah, and then 20, then 20 percent 20 percent were killed in wars and and you know another uh, now thirty percent were killed in war and the remaining thirty percent fled to to other parts of Central Asia. So so that whole area in northern Xinjiang become empty. That's when the Qin author- the Manchu officials decide to move in, Han Chinese as uh, settlers in northern Xinjiang, north of Tian Shan Mountains. And and so so Xinjiang has this kind of demographic divide starting from eighteenth century. Basically the southern half of Xinjiang is Uyghur homeland and the northern yeah. Xinjiang is more uh like ha, has has a more of Han majority right the, the Mongols are still around but they are a lot
0: in numbers so yeah. you're saying that for the most part like there is a separatist movement obviously it's outlawed mm-hmm. um but uh but you, your 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 sense is that, like, with religious with guarantees of religious and cultural freedom, uh, that that's more like where the majority of Xinjiang is is at yeah, ideologically.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, like but you yeah, know,
0: it's hard to know, right? I don't imagine there are polls.
1: Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, I mean, like the for for the most part, uh, I think that that people. People in Xin Xinjiang they are fine with being Chinese citizens. What they w- want is you know their um, their uh, cultural cultural pers- preservation of their cultural heritage and and, and the autonomy. Uh, right. And cultural are they
0: allowed, like is the, what's the religious free? Because I mean again like India has really, you know Kashmiris can pray, they can go to mosque. There's no like there's no suppression of their religious ah, freedoms in okay. that sense.
1: Okay, so so now this is uh, in in China, this this kind of this issue kind of went back and forth like uh, the Chinese government kind of the the policy kind of changed widely over uh, over the years. So in 19 uh, during the Cultural Revolution in 1960s, right, that, you know, Mm -hmm. all religions in China uh, are banned essentially, you know, Mm -hmm. Islam, Buddhism, Christianity. Um, right. uh, all the temples, mosques, all closed. And then in then in 1980, um, there was a reverse of the policy after the end of Cultural Revolution. So mosques are reopened. Uh, you know the mullahs were out let out from the reeducation okay. camps. And 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 then um, in recent years, oh, no, though there's, there's a different policy in Xinjiang. So they require um, the Communist Party members. So, so if you're Uyghur Communist, uh, if you're a member of the Communist Party, if you're Uyghur Communist, you are not allowed to go to mosque to pray. Okay. And, and if you are, uh, um, if you you are a, a, a student, so 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 they they, if you are over 18, you can go to mosque and pray. But there's a restriction on minors they don't allow minors so there's to,
0: yeah religious indoctrination or whatever
1: so yeah yeah so so the so limitation so like basically and also on uh you know there are restrictions so, so so in terms of beard if you're an old man uh you know 60 and above you are allowed to do whatever you want pretty much but if you're a young man like now there's kind of outlaw of like long beard mm-hmm. and uh and they have been out. They outlawed the um, the outlawed niqab, right? So so niqab is outlawed in, in in Xinjiang. There's no full full face veiling. So that you could do that back in 2010, I think. You know, in 20 in 2009, uh, 2010, you, you could still do that. But after the Uyghur riot, um, they started tightening the guidelines. So so now you cannot. Wear like a full face niqab. Like you can have a scarf on on your Hmm. head, but no, no, no niqab.
0: That's not a huge issue in Kashmir because Kashmiri hijab isn't really. It does doesn't cover the face. Like they don't. That's not their custom anyway. Yeah. So
1: well, it was not the custom in Xinjiang either, but
0: like there was. But yeah, Saudi Saudi influence is what it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah 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 so now they're kind, like the Chinese state is kind of basically trying to it's a big social engineering project they're trying to reverse the trend of the last 20 years so that's what they're trying to do basically i mean like i i don't completely agree with some of the method that they employ i i feel like it's chinese state can be very heavy handed uh mm-hmm. but but what they're trying to do is they're they're, they're trying to reverse um you know the, the the last twenty years,
0: during going? which during which the yeah. Saudis basically had full freedom to do whatever they wanted there. Basically, is that what you mean? Yeah, or,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not Saudi directly because the influence right. came from Af- via Afghanistan because as a result of Af- Afghan war, you know, a lot of the returning uh, Mujahideens from from Afghanistan they try to yeah. do the. To the thing in, in Xinjiang so so it's it's a little bit different from like direct Saudi founding but but indirectly yes
0: yeah I mean it, 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 it's it, that's really it, yeah it's fascinating because the Kash, Kashmiri Islam is probably closer to what Afghan Islam was like before the wars you know of the 70s it's anyway but that's that's yeah, yeah that's what yeah, we're that's getting a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, mean Another I, I, day. I
1: know what you're saying. I mean, a lot of the Central Asian Islam, yeah. like from Kashmir to to Afghan to Xinjiang, used to be very similar. Right. They, yeah, they all like exactly. ha- incorporate a lot of local practices, you know, yeah. like, like all saints. the all, saints. Yeah. yeah saint worship. You know, like the, the Arabs really didn't like that when they went to Afghanistan. You know, they're blowing no. up uh, all the, the tomb and stuff because that's idol worship. And, but yeah, that's a different topic.
0: <laughs> Kung Fu Yoga Part Three, maybe. Um, yes. Okay, so uh, so okay, so legitimate security considerations. So India says, you know, we where this is the border with Pakistan. There have been m- multiple wars with Pakistan, including over Kashmir. Uh, there are attacks by militants, real militants, not quote unquote militants, ag- uh, against army and police, uh, occupying forces, and have been for 20, 30 years now. Um, there, there's also things that have happened that they've pinned on Kashmiri militants that are real stitch ups. Like there was a really gross one, uh, an attack on the Indian parliament that they pinned yeah. on this totally hapless guy, Avzal Guru, and they killed him. Well, I was in India when they killed him. They just announced that they killed him, like just that, you know, just like in the middle of a normal day. And they were just was like, we killed Avzal Guru. Uh, it was it was like a real protracted, uh, you know, tr- there was in theory a trial and he was, I think, given the death penalty, but there was still like various kinds of, you know, possibilities that people were trying to, you know, get, find out what happened, find out the truth and fight the legal case. But yeah, they just killed him and kind of told his family that he, they'd killed him and. And, because uh, that's yeah. a
1: politically expedient thing to do.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So there's lots of things that happen in India that are pinned on Kashmiri militants, and, and pa- when they're not pinned on Pakistan. But yes, so that's so if India would say anything about Kashmir's about their their occupation of Kashmir, it would be that they're they have a considerate they cons- they're concerned about the border with Pakistan. So. Right. So.
1: In, in terms of China, it's more about internal, right? Because, I mean, China is not really facing uh, a border threat since the collapse of Soviet Union, so... Um,
0: <laughs> Unless you count yeah, Aksai Chin yeah. and...
1: <laughs> well, uh, okay, yeah, there's that. With uh, but, but but Aksai Chin is on, on man, uh, no man's land, right? So that's, that's... Aksai Chin actually administratively is part of Xinjiang, but, you know, nobody lives there, so... Um, the,
0: the I didn't know that.
1: Yeah it's a, it's a high high plateau desert. Uh, no, I mean I but, didn't
0: know that it was part of Xinjiang administration. Oh yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh, because of the, the 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 Aksai Ching is uh, kind of that's the area kind of connects Xinjiang's trade route with Tibet and that's why it's kind of strategically important for China because uh, you know the Xinjiang Tibet free highway goes through the Aksai Ching. and that's when the you know our we talk about on our china India conflict that's how it broke out in 1950s when India start complaining that China is building a road on the land they claim and and that's how it, that 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 conflict it all started um, and but in, in Xinjiang's case it's mostly about internal security you know obviously China wants to make sure Xinjiang remain part of Chinese territory and uh, and another thing is uh, the the, the China China is uh, a lot of the effort the Chinese government is putting through in Xinjiang is done in the name of stabilities, right? The, 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 they they wanted to to, to stop the attacks. Um, there were stream of attacks outside the Xinjiang as well, most notably uh, 2014 Kuoming attack at the Kuoming train station, and um, and there was also attack in in Tiananmen Square. I think that was 2014.
0: Um, the train station but, one was with like swords right it was like knife, a sword yeah, like they're, they're, okay.
1: they're like short they're basically small swords they're like the uh, the, the Uyghur yeah. knives that's uh that's a, that's a that is somewhere between a large knife and a small yeah, sword. i saw footage
0: um, of that it was crazy yeah crazy.
1: yeah because traditionally i mean like knives are kind of you know knives of certain size are contraband in china right but, right uh, you were, there, before 2014, there was an exception for Uyghurs because traditionally Uyghur men um, yeah. carry knives as like like kind of kind of their cultural heritage, right? That's a, that's a thing to do. So like you yeah, can yeah Sikhs t-
0: have that too and Punjab yeah.
1: yeah 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 so like Tibetans and and then Uyghurs they were you know they they carry knives and that's that's just part of their culture and that was that was okay. But then 2014 after after that attack, uh, I. I, I, yeah, there's a, there's now no, that, that no, the no. same rule applies to Xinjiang now about the knives. No, no, no more, right. no more carrying knives around. Um,
0: Way to and, go, train and, station terrorists ruining yeah. it for everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and in in, in, in China is mostly that, that security. And also, most importantly, um, you know, Xinjiang also happened to be. The connecting point of the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative, oh, um, because you know, like the so-called Belt and Road, the Belt is it stands for Silk Road, Silk Road Economic Belt. So. The belt is actually the online road, and the the, mm-hmm. the the road part is actually the maritime Silk Road, which goes through Southeast Asia to uh, to you know to places like Persian Gulf, um okay. uh, and Godar. Godar. And so. But but Qing, but the overland route though, you know all the all the train all the um all the railroad goes through Xinjiang to Central Asia to Russia, uh, to Pakistan. So Xinjiang is, is like kind linchpin for for the for for, for the Chinese uh, Silk and, Silk Road project, and so so it's you know for for chi, Chinese government perspective, it was essential to to make sure you know Xinjiang is stable and secure, and, and that's the main drive. I mean that's yeah. You that's know
0: when, when I was um when when I left uh. Kashmir when I left India in 2013 I wrote this article called 11 things India has to do in Kashmir and it was basically like the things India has to do if they want Kashmir to Kashmiris to feel like it's worth their wildest stay in India and of course yeah, you know apparently Modi didn't read it or uh, act on my my recommendations unfortunately
1: yeah yeah what well, so what what were the things you,
0: that, that you, well, you know my my, my things were uh, there there are these yathras um, where they basically like don't regulate and they're huge groups of people from outside of Kashmir who would, who would go and then they would kind of lock the Kashmiri population down so that they could make room for the
1: for, for your for religious your travelers the basically P- hind,
0: yeah. yeah Hindu yeah. Hindu so religious. Pilgrim. Right. Yeah, so, pilgrims, so, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. there are
1: a lot of uh, Hindu religious sites in yeah, that exactly. neck of woods, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense.
0: Stop suppressing student politics. Stop uh, banning and deporting people. Stop messing with their communications. Stop using soldiers as police. Let Kashmir control its own water resources. There's a whole thing where the National Hydroelectric Power Corporation controls the water and then sells it back to the state. Anyway, I don't know what I haven't followed. I don't know what's going on with that, but I don't imagine it's anything good. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: From Chinese uh, state perspective, what they uh, feel that, you know, everything is economic because that's mm-hmm. kind of their Marxist understanding of the situation. So what they're trying to do is just pumping more investment into Xinjiang. And, and their effort, um, which I talk about, you know, from 2000 in 2000, they were trying to, um, you know, uh, sh- organizing Uyghur laborers to go to other parts of China to, to, you know, do factory work. And now right. they're trying to bring factory in Xinjiang to, to, to employ more Uyghurs. And, and I think this gets tied into the the talk about Uyghur uh, slave labor issue now in the West because. One of the um, one of the go in 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 so so you know Ch- Chinese government call these camps we uh, like location training centers, but I think they should just call it direct de- radicalization camps. I mean that's that's what they are uh, I mean that's 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 a reason why they exist and they 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 are these pe- people who are basically, the people who went in are the people who are not serious offenders right they're not not the serious offenders they 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 may be um, judged to harbor some uh, 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 you know being influenced by by religious extremism so so they go through the camps uh, they, are, they are they're you know they're learning standard Mandarin um, and And supposedly a a job skill. So the goal is always to get these people back in the society after after a certain period. And and, well, according Mm -hmm. to the Chinese government, you know, like the Western media has said they couldn't verify. But according to the Chinese government, all the vocational, quote unquote, vocational training center have been closed and all the detainees have, quote unquote, graduated. So now the next step is to get uh, get the people who were previously unemployed into factories, right? To and and, and then Chinese government lined up a lot of these uh, 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 it gave a lot of tax incentives for um, for a lot of the factories to hire Uyghurs to go to Xinjiang. To open factories, to hire Uyghur labor, I, and, and and think right now. That's why a lot of the narratives in the Western media is shifted a little bit uh, to the the slave the Uyghur slave labor issue, right? You know, we have that um, yeah. that report about those supposedly uh, human hair harvested from the Uyghur prisoners and ended up <laughs> in the United States, um, so on and so forth. Um, like I don't deny that. that Chinese state is trying to carry out a massive social engineering project right. on, on a huge scale. Uh, right. they, they, their goal is to transform all the uh, uh, previously mostly rural Uyghur people into like factory workers and stuff like that. And and they think that the economy and then the trickling down of the of the the economic benefits will um, bring stability to Xinjiang. Well, that's remain to be seen whether that will
0: be successful. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think it'll work. Exactly. I, I mean, it's not. It's definitely my, not my understanding of how nationalism works. But exactly, exactly. Yeah.
1: This, this is a. I mean, the, the thing is, uh, I think some some of the. Orthodoxy Marxist thinking kind of ignores the, the, the role identity plays, right? and I think yeah. that's and especially in in China's case, um, um, because the the chi- Chinese population is the overwhelming majority is Han Chinese. So so you know what you end up happening is all the people you staff bureaucracy are are Han Chinese, yeah. and all these people. Yeah um it's a majority thinking right i mean like you, yeah. it's, you you, it's it's not you can't apply what works in you know han chinese area of china to, yes to like ethnic minority you need to understand the local culture the the, the, the local practices um but
0: so here's like, where here's where the Kashmir thing really differs because okay. for various reasons um The Kashmir's autonomous status and the way that the Kashmiri authorities uh, have managed the economy, Kashmir has been better in terms of education, um, in terms of health, in terms of most of these outcomes than the Indian average by quite a bit. Wow. Um, yes yeah, so, so historically and so you know the idea so modi tried to make this argument when they read down the articles they said you know better integration with india more investment whatever and the Kashmiris were like excuse me but if we're if we're gonna get what india has we're go we're gonna be moving down um in terms of all of these uh indicators and uh and that's like so the the what they've done in terms of uh Forcibly, you know, removing these constitutional protections and autonomy is that they've actually destroyed. And of course, the internet blockade has been devastating to the economy. Right? Like, Kashmir depends a lot on tourism. Yeah. You know, a lot on carpet. I mean, they, you know, they do handicrafts. They do a whole bunch of things that they can't do anymore when they're locked down. So it's, it's been a total river. It's the exact opposite. It's like if Xinjiang is like an economically backward region that the, that the um. Chinese government is trying to like integrate through economic investment. Kashmir is an economically advanced part of in well part of let's say the territory um, that India is tr- is basically destroying as part of forcibly integrating them. Um.
1: So, what are your Thoughts about
0: the future. We're in India's darkest hour. Everywhere everything India is doing and and uh, what's going on locally with the with the Citizenship Amendment Act, with the like total unnecessary devastation of the economy through demonetization, which we haven't even seen the full consequences of. Um so yeah, I mean the Kashmiris, like the Roy when the lockdown came down, she said something. She was talking about like how there are these mass um, attacks, on, like just a random attacks on Muslims and how Muslims are afraid to move around because they can get like lynched. There were like hundreds of lynchings of Muslims organized on WhatsApp, actually. So here, there's a good reason China might want to ban WhatsApp. Is because they organize lynchings uh, on WhatsApp in India. But um, she was saying like this buddy of hers was talking and he was talking about visiting his family and he was afraid that he would get lynched. And she was like, well, you know, if a bunch of Muslims, I mean, if a bunch of Hindus come and tell you to like say that you worship, uh, you know, the Hindu gods or whatever, you have to say it. You have to save your life. And he was like, I don't think I will. I think they'll kill me anyway. And she says. um, Wow. She says something like, you know, these are the kinds of conversations we're having while we wait for the Kashmiris to speak and speak they surely will. <laughs> and that's the last line because it's like we still don't know, you know, like they we're, you know, yeah, like people are just hoping that somehow the Congress and communists maybe like they can form some kind of electoral alliance, uh, you know, to start taking some of these legislatures back from the from Modi's party and but it's just it hasn't even begun. Like the 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 momentum is still with Indian fascism, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's just. I mean what you said. Like this is what I heard for, for the first time. Just because a lot of these kind of things don't filter down through the the U.S. media or the outside yeah. outside media. And yeah. I, I mean I'm I'm, I'm shocked. I uh, you know like from from the outside, it looks like India is, you know, growing. It's, it's, you know, it's has pretty impressive growth rate, if not compared to China. You know, I, I like to tell people, like, uh, you know, India actually has done pretty well if you don't compare India to China. Like, if you compare it to any other countries, <laughs> India's growth rate is is pretty respectable. You know, but China is just kind of in the lead on its own, so it's not kind of not fair to compare to China. Uh, and and but, but compared to neighboring countries like you know on uh, subcontinent you know um, Pakistan, Bangladesh, India seems relatively stable and 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 its economy was was seems to be doing doing well. But but from here from you that that kind of presents no, a totally picture.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the article, if people want to read it, is. The silence is the loudest sound. Uh, It was in the New York Times actually last year, August fifteenth, twenty nineteen. So yeah, and then of course you know COVID froze everything too. So yeah, so not good. What about um, where where do you see things going? I mean, there's obviously lots of external attention on Xinjiang, but there's no sign that. There's no sign that China's gonna change course in terms of no. uh, their social engineering project, as you call it. No, no. Is, well, I mean, China are there any nuances? Did, uh... Any chance of like a big speech from, you know, like announcing a new direction or? No, Whatever. no.
1: I mean, especially no. now that U.S. is basically embarking on World, Cold War 2.0. On China yeah. there's there's just like zero chance anything USA is gonna have impact in China in in I mean it probably has the opposite effect right you know Chinese right. can dig in its hills and and say you know bug off and 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 what yeah you know, it remains to see, be seeing what what's gonna what's gonna be happening in Xinjiang because the problem with Xinjiang is it's a heightened security measures it, it really, um, you know, slows down the economic activity uh, that, you know, it's kind of pain to move around. You have to go through checkpoints all the time. Um, and and, you know, it, it is, you know, people are facing a lot of inconveniences, which is not going to really endear them to to uh, <laughs> to, to the China policy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and and so. Well, it it, it remains to be seen. I mean, like, uh, maybe China will carry it off just because, um, like, from a lot of things you've been telling you about Kashmir and India, it sounds like, you know, India probably wish it has the the state capability of China to to kind of, like, especially what you said about the the Indian minister says, if you can figure out a way to um, prevent the terrorists, from, yeah. from the militants, from communicating, but allow anybody else to talk. I mean, but China has China has done of, that,
2: right? Yeah,
1: China, China has like kind of these, uh, you know, what in the West we call the super surveillance state, right? So, so they, so you know, everybody can still get on WeChat. Everybody can use WeChat, but yeah. you know, they they probably know what you're talking about. <laughs> WeChat and and you know, it's it's um. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not ideal. Well, what happened in, in Xinjiang, I can't, you know, put a put a good face on it because I, I noticed around 2017, because I was in a WeChat chat group, this group of people from Xinjiang, both Han, Chinese, and Uyghurs, um, and then the communication just kind of dropped off <laughs> after 2017 uh, with little, very few people posting. Uh, I remember just like a few months ago, um, I finally saw one Uyghur member posted. I'm like, I thought you were in like the, I thought you were in the camp.
0: <laughs> yeah, you were worried that you were stuck in the camp. How does the camp? They can't, they can't uh, do internet stuff if they're.
1: No, no, no. So, so, so it's like, uh, I mean, uh, like kind of, like a re- de-radicalization center will probably be more, more um, apt. Description then says vocational training center because you know they you can't have cell phone like um you can't you can't you don't have like cell phone privileges let's say that yeah you you can't you can't get get you know get on social media get on your cell phone um you, some some of the places apparently they're allowed to go home on the weekends you know for a little bit mm-hmm. but but uh but otherwise and there's no hard.
0: there's no notion of the number like up to a million
1: yeah <laughs> see, that's the thing we don't have we don't have the number i mean i read uh, freaking uh, adrian zen's report you know but I, china
0: just, china doesn't release a number china doesn't say like here's the no here's no, the number. no
1: no, no. The, the, they only deny that the 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 one million uh number reported and i read i read adrian zen's report i mean adrian zen's it, it basically he based on the number, yeah, from it was
0: a survey uh, from eight people. Uh, yeah, you were saying that
1: that was that was China Human Rights Defenders, a uh, different yeah. group. So there, there are two okay. main sources for the one million number. One is the, uh, the Human uh, Human China Human Rights Defender, uh, which is an NED-funded uh, NGO, and they have supposedly eight witnesses, and based on eight witnesses from eight villages around kashgar and based on that number they extrapolated to the entire population of xinjiang and said okay maybe one million and they, they kind of try to cover their ass by saying oh well it is an estimate you know it is an extrapolation
0: because it would be have- great though if china, if china could just release those if they just released the figures that would be
1: yeah that's a problem they? with Who china should,
0: yeah yeah, there's a there's a
1: lack of transparency, right? So which means you can just make up any any. So here's a,
0: here's the exact quote. This is the the external affairs minister Jay Shankar. His interview with Politico. So the Politico asks him, if you're an ordinary wholesaler in fruits and vegetables, you're doing a lot of your sales through communications that's part of a normal economy, which is now Internet based. And Jay Shunker says, yeah, sure. But if you tell me how do I cut off communications between the terrorists and their masters on the one hand, but keep the Internet open for other people, I would be delighted to pass on this information. And when I read that, I just got so mad because like they didn't cut the Internet off. In response to anything Kashmiris did, they just did it preemptively before yeah. they before they decided to change the law. So it's because a, it's, it's easier to do, bullshit. Yeah, it's it's it,
1: it, it like <laughs> bureaucracy has their own logic, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like that's exactly. oh wow, we, this is the most effective things to do. Let's just yeah, do we it.
0: know there's gonna be protests, so let's stop them from talking to each other. Yeah, yeah to get points for being democratic all right well i I, you know that was pretty i I, i'm pretty happy with that systematic comparison we just did i think um I, you know human rights watch was listening i'm sure so they'll um (laughs) publish our table
1: yeah nsa (laughs) nsa
0: (laughs) listening in hi guys hi guys nice to hear you surveillance dystopia okay so yeah anything else you wanted to add or should we uh adjourn kung fu yoga for the night or your day uh, in your case?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think we kind of uh, may- maybe we'll do a following up episode at some time, just like give people an update on the development in, in 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 both places and and yeah, let's make a series, definitely. Let's yeah. Let's make a yoga series.
0: Awesome. Okay, I'm gonna stop recording. Yeah.